But welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Well, how are you doing with the Christmas season? Uh, I hope that you're uh, navigating uh, through it well. You know, I've noticed a very fundamental change in my own perspective on Christmas decorations. Uh, in fact, uh, pre-pandemic, uh, when I used to drive by a house that seemed a bit overdone, gaudy, uh, too many lights, uh, I would think, you know, uh, well, that's overly commercial. Uh, where is Jesus and all that? And uh, now I've noticed when I see a house that is really decked out, uh, overdone, gaudy, uh, there's something in me that gets happy. In fact, I look at that house and say, the light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And uh, I hope that uh, you are celebrating uh, the goodness of God expressed uh, in our lives, regardless of what is happening in our world. Uh, do want to draw attention to uh, something we have going on uh, here on our church campus this weekend. We call it the drive-through Christmas. Really, it's an opportunity to love on our neighbors, to celebrate the warmth of the season. In fact, uh, take a few minutes if you're in Arlington. Uh, swing by on Sunday between the hours of 3 and 7, or Monday from 4 to 8. You can have a, a homemade, individually wrapped Christmas cookie, some hot chocolate, hear some live Christmas music, and uh, get into the season along with us. Also, uh, if you've got some time on your hands, uh, early Sunday afternoon, uh, between the hours of about uh, 12 and 3, we'll be setting up around here, at least putting the finishing touches on. Love to have you come by, lend a hand, and uh, also... Uh, one of the things we do at the drive through Christmas is we give away Christmas boxes to families in need. We've had a growing number of families request those boxes, not a, not a total surprise. Uh, if you would like to contribute uh, to the uh, purchase of even more boxes, uh, you can uh, donate $50 uh, to the church. Uh, you can go on our website at arlingtonfm.com, click on the Give icon, do the drop-down list, and you will see Christmas boxes listed there. And we would love to have you partner with us uh, in that and serving uh, the families in our community. Uh, well, uh, we are in a series uh, called uh, Dawn Treaders. And uh, it comes from uh, Paul's letter to his friends in Rome, and particularly uh, these words from chapter 13. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Uh, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And uh, it's this wonderful reality that the coming of Jesus has opened up to us, that uh, even though there's still a lot to be worked out in our world, uh, Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven near to us, and uh, we can experience uh, the good, uh, sovereign will and reign of God in our lives now if we'll open up to it. And so that's Paul's invitation, uh, not only in chapter 13, but throughout his entire letter, uh, that we would make choices uh, to kind of leave behind the darkness of life without God and his light, uh, which comes to us through Jesus, and we can move in uh, to the goodness of his kingdom. You know, we, we've uh, illustrated 
uh, this invitation that Paul has to live out the will of God uh, by loving each other the way that God loves us as a pinnacle, as a summit. And uh, I was watching a, a documentary on Netflix this last week called 14 Peaks. And uh, it was an amazing story uh, of a gentleman from Nepal. His name was Anirmal Purja, uh, NIMS for short. Uh, but he had a quest to climb up 14 of the highest peaks in the world, uh, none of them below 26,000 feet in elevation. And his quest uh, was to climb all 14 of these peaks within a seven-month period. And uh, just absolutely baffling uh, what this uh, gentleman has been able to accomplish. But uh, in one of the episodes, he talked about uh, what he called the death zone. Yeah, when you reach a certain elevation where uh, oxygen is a rare commodity and uh, many climbers will don their oxygen tanks at that point. Uh, but he said literally from that period on to the summit is what he called the death zone. And uh, if you're in that zone and you fall, you die. If you make a mistake, you die. If you get disoriented, you die. If you have an equipment fail, well, you get the idea. Uh, but here's the quote that really uh, kind of stunned me when I heard him say it. Uh, Nims made this comment. He said, when I'm in the death zone, I come alive. When I'm in the death zone, when, when many others are failing and falling, that's when I'm at my best. In fact, as he went on, he talked about uh, how he really dialed in uh, all of his training, all of his experience, all of his talent, all of his abilities came into laser focus when he was in that death zone. And uh, because of that, uh, he did indeed uh, summit these uh, 14 peaks within that time period. Uh, but uh, as he told his story, uh, not only did his dreams become a reality, uh, but as, as he prevailed in the death zone, he made a way for others to realize their dreams. In fact, uh, on a number of the peaks, when he was in that death zone, they came across climbers who'd been left for dead. Uh, their parties, either ascending or descending, uh, no longer could take care of one of their climbers, so they, they did what they had to do to survive. And uh, Nims uh, went on to share that uh, it was part of his perspective. He couldn't leave anyone behind. And so uh, what a great analogy of choosing to live well in the middle of difficult times. Uh, you know, we can not only... Uh, be at our best, uh, but we can make a way for others, and we can even perhaps rescue some who are in uh, peril of death. Uh, whatever the difficulties, whatever the darkness, whatever the despair, uh, we have an invitation, uh, rather than succumb, to become fully alive. And, and that's really the spirit of Paul's uh, invitation. Uh, because of the hour that is at hand, uh, we can leave behind the works of darkness, and we can step in uh, to, to the light of God's kingdom. I love this quote from one of the early followers of Christ. Uh, his name was Irenaeus, and uh, here's what he said. The glory of God is man fully alive. You may have heard that before. The glory of God, uh, God's goodness, God's grace, is revealed best through humans that are living fully alive, kind of like Nims in that death zone. Uh, when uh, I'm in that zone, I'm at my best. And uh, what Irenaeus was contending is that when people live like that, God is revealed in the midst of a sometimes very dark world. Well, uh, 
as we've been reading through Paul's letter, uh, there's a tension that Paul begins to highlight uh, throughout chapters 1 through 7. And that tension is this, that though that new kingdom is here, it's not yet complete. And uh, that's true in our lives as well, as though uh, God's work has begun in us. It's far from complete, and uh, it creates a tension. Uh, we have a sense of what God is up to. We want to live towards that, but we also have a pull. Uh, we've been forgiven. We've been reconciled with God himself. We're free from the law of sin and death that would lead us further away from God. But, and this is a big, uh, a big but, <laughs> We still have this side of us that resists God. We still have a side of us that distrusts God. Uh, there's still a big part of us, even though we're reconciled to God, uh, that believes that there's something to be gained in keeping God at a distance or, or uh, parts of our lives, uh, barricading them from the influence and the leadership of God. Uh, Paul refers to that. He calls it this body of flesh that we still operate in, uh, this body of sin. He, he describes that tension like this. I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep doing it. Can anyone relate to that? You know, I have this desire uh, to, to live a virtuous life, to live a noble life. Uh, to be absolutely in align with the will of God for me. But I also have this desire that competes against that. You know, I was reminded uh, of what Jesus said to uh, his closest followers. Uh, he's at, Jesus is literally in the death zone. Uh, he's about to go to the cross. He's in the garden with his disciples, and he takes uh, three of his closest friends, uh, James, Peter, and John. He pulls them aside, and he says, look, my soul is troubled. This is hard. It's all coming to a head this evening. Uh, stay here and pray with me. And uh, as he begins to pray, he, he goes back to his three, and he finds them all asleep, and he makes this uh, a profound statement. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is indeed willing. I know what I want to do, uh, but there's something in me that doesn't really want to cooperate. And uh, if you can relate to that, I want to invite you to really engage uh, in this next section of Paul's letter, Romans chapter 8. Uh, you know, Paul leads into it. He says, look, uh, at the end of chapter 7, uh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this conflict, from this body that I have that is subject to death? And then his uh, exclamation, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we might think, yay, mission accomplished. I've been delivered uh, from this body that resists the will of God, and now I'm completely available uh, to live out God's good and perfect will. Uh, but that's not the reality. The reality is we have been liberated. The new kingdom has arrived. But, uh, Paul says, so then, here's, here's where we live. So then, I myself... In my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, a willing slave. I want to obey and align with God's best for my life. But in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. You know, that's a very real tension. Uh, that's, uh, that's the death zone. And uh, you might say that each of us uh, have to navigate that. 
It's filled with perils and also with possibilities. We will either become fully alive in that tension uh, between God's will and the reluctance of our own uh, nature. Uh, We'll either become fully alive, engaged, alert, uh, and all about the climb, or uh, we will, in fact, uh, become casualties of our own reluctance to uh, yield to the leadership of God in our lives. Well, uh, here's chapter 8 then. It really tells us how do we successfully, how do we navigate uh, that death zone? Uh, How do we climb well? How do we reach the pinnacle of what God is calling us to where we live out his commands to love others the way that he loves us? And so he begins Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, knowing all these things to be true, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Uh, I would encourage you, wherever you're at, uh, say those words with me. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And see, this is, uh, this is where we begin this life in the Spirit that Paul is talking about, by realizing that because of what Jesus has done, there's no longer a death sentence hanging over our lives. Uh, the, the word condemnation literally means a damning sentence, a damnatory sentence with the expectation of punishment following. Uh, and if you've ever labored uh, under a sense of your own personal flaws or failures, uh, you know, it can be easy uh, to live with a sense of impending condemnation that somehow... Uh, For all that God has done, we don't quite merit his best, uh, that there's something about us that is uh, fatally flawed and will never quite perfectly align with what God has for our lives. Uh, And here's what uh, Paul is saying. If you want to live well in this time of tension, it has to begin with this realization. If your heart is set on Christ, there's no condemnation awaiting you. That's been removed from the equation. Uh, I love the way uh, Paul said it earlier, uh, how blessed is the man uh, who, and the woman uh, whose sins God does not count against them. Uh, how happy uh, are those people who know that their sins are forgiven, uh, their flaws are covered, their transgressions aren't being uh, held uh, against them. We're now free from that law of sin and death. Uh, Paul will say it like this in one of his other letters, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this comes from God who reconciled or restored us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what it is, big word, but here's what it means that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Uh, And that's a wonderfully refreshing reality to wake up to every day, that uh, regardless of my shortcomings, regardless of what's still being worked out in that time of tension, there is no expectation of punishment or judgment, uh, Paul will say in verse 4. So God condemns sin in the flesh uh, through the death of Christ, 
in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to our old nature or the flesh, but we live according to the Spirit. And so up. here is what Paul has said thus far. You want to live well in this time of tension when the kingdom of God has started in your life but hasn't been completely fulfilled? Well, learn to live without a sense of condemnation, uh, that God has removed all of that. Uh, but he did mention a qualifying cause. Uh, maybe you, met, you uh, took note of it in that last text we read. Uh, this is true. Uh, there's no judgment awaiting those who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And so uh, here, uh, here's what uh, the key of Paul's truth of how we live uh, well in this world where God has started something good in us, but it's not yet completed, is uh, we must learn to live according to the Spirit and not according to our flesh. It's really uh, two choices that we have in front of us every single day of our lives. We can either live according to the flesh, uh, our own urges, our own appetites, our own desires, our own inclinations, or we can choose to live according to the Spirit. Uh, you know, the gift of the Spirit it was a, uh, a wonderful reality uh, that was spoken of uh, progressively throughout the history of Israel. Uh, as they became more and more aware of their desperate inability to live up, uh, to the laws and the statutes of God, they became more aware of their need for a new heart, for a new inclination, and this led to uh, an understanding that God someday was going to pour out his spirit on his people, and that his spirit would make them alive again, uh, much as Adam, the very first human, God breathed the breath of life, and Adam became a living being, uh, well, uh, the Israelites, the prophets began to understand that nothing less than that was required for this new creation is that God would once again breathe uh, the life of his spirit into people who wanted to know and walk and experience uh, him. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel uh, depicted this as a river of life, a wonderful uh, analogy of uh, this life-giving stream that would flow from within the hearts of people that would change everything in the landscape. But probably most revealing, Ezekiel had a vision, uh, a vision of a valley of dead bones. And uh, in his vision, uh, God asked him to speak to the wind and say, breathe upon the bones. And uh, if you know the, the vision, those bones actually come alive and become vibrant, and it's such a picture of the life of the Spirit. And so Paul uh, now uh, gives us some keys uh, for how living in this death zone, in between two worlds, uh, the dawn that is coming and the darkness that we're emerging from, uh, he talks to us practically about how we can live in the Spirit. And uh, I would say this, life in the Spirit begins in our heads. Uh, life in the life-giving Spirit of God begins in our heads. Here's what Paul says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Uh, the mind governed 
by the flesh is death or produces death, but the mind governed by the Spirit produces life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not surrender to God's law or his will, nor can it. It's incapable of doing so. And those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, let me remind you, these are words Paul is writing to believers, people who've set their hope on the coming of, uh, of Jesus Christ, on his death, his resurrection. Uh, Paul is saying now uh, all believers in Christ have this choice. Are we going to set our minds on what our old nature, our flesh desires, or are we going to set our minds on what the Spirit of God in us desires? Uh, Paul describes, he said, the mind that is set uh, on the Spirit results in life and peace. Uh, There's a sense of abundance. We're thriving. Uh, Someone once said, uh, when you walk with God, uh, walk with Jesus, uh, he'll not only make your life better, He'll make you better at life. And uh, Paul is saying that exact thing. When we set our minds on what the Spirit would want from us, both in our attitudes and our actions, the consequences, life and peace, a sense of well-being with God, a sense of harmony in our relationships. But uh, notice the description of the mind that is set on the flesh. Uh, It's governed by the flesh. It's hostile to God. Uh, There's a sense of, you know, we're not really at peace with God, experiencing uh, intimacy or closeness with God. It's uh, governed by the flesh and hostile to God. It does not submit to God. It cannot surrender to God's leading because it really wants its own way. Uh, The mind that is set uh, on the flesh cannot please God. Uh, And Paul says, if that's our mindset, it will lead us to death. We will experience uh, a loss in our relationship with God, in our relationships with each other, in fulfilling God's good and perfect plans for our lives, uh, depending entirely on how our mind is set. Uh, well, then uh, Paul gives the next expression of life in the Spirit. And you could say it like this, uh, life in the Spirit uh, not only begins in our heads, but it's expressed through our hands. Uh, In other words, in our actions, in our deeds, if we're going to live well in the death zone and navigate these perilous times, uh, Paul says, we must decide that we're going to align our lives with the direction of the Spirit of God. Uh, Here's how he describes it. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation as followers of Christ But that obligation is not to serve our flesh or to live according to its urges and appetites. Uh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, now here's the contrast, it's one or the other. We'll either live by the flesh and die, or if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And uh, you might think, well, that sounds rather drastic. Uh, And here it is. Here's the truth. It is. It is rather drastic. Uh, Paul is saying, look, if you want to experience the fullness, the reinvigorating work of the Spirit, if you want to allow the Spirit to lead you places you'd never go, to heights you'd never reach, uh, to dreams you could never uh, create on your own, 
you have to make a decision. You have to be decisive that when the misdeeds of the body, be they physical, be they emotional, be they mental, be they spiritual, whatever comes up from our natural side, Paul says we have to be decisive. We have to put it to death. We have to say, I'm not going to live that way anymore. The stakes are too high. Uh, lives are being lost. Uh, destinies are being compromised. Uh, dreams are failing. And so I decide that when the misdeeds of the body rear their heads, I put them to death. Paul says we actually have an obligation. Uh, I remember once a uh, home we used to live in, I discovered uh, through the, the droppings that we had rats in our garage and uh, did what we could to try to eradicate them. And one day I was out in my garage uh, working away and I noticed out of the corner of my eye a rat uh, running along the side of the garage. And when I looked at it, it stopped and I had a decision to make at that point. In fact, the rat looked at me almost as if to say it's either you or me. Well, I grabbed an iron bar and uh, as I moved towards that rat, I was all in uh, to the confrontation. I'm not going to tell you how it ended, uh, but I will say uh, a hole in the wall of my garage was a living testimony uh, from that day on uh, that I was very decisive in putting to death uh, this creature that had invaded our garage. Uh, maybe a better uh, illustration, I had a friend who's had numerous bouts with cancer and uh, Thank God he's, he's overcome them. Uh, but he has become very vigilant about uh, what's happening in his body. Uh, he's uh, very diligent in getting tested regularly uh, because he knows that if he puts to death these cancer cells, he's going to extend his life. And uh, see, here's the truth. I think over these last two years, uh, a lot of Christians are not taking this seriously. They're not putting to death the misdeeds of the body because they don't think it's costing them their lives, but indeed it is. Uh, you know, every time an inclination comes up that is not in alignment with the Spirit of God to love others the way God loves us, uh, to live sacrificially towards the least deserving, every time we allow ourselves to be divisive, every time we allow our attitudes to be slanderous, Every time we engage in gossip, uh, we are not putting to death the misdeeds of our flesh. And Paul says, we're going to bear the consequences. It will find ourselves drifting uh, from that high calling that God has for our lives. And uh, uh, so uh, as Paul uh, takes us through this life in the spirit, uh, this abundance, uh, it begins in our heads with setting our minds that we're going to we're going to live responsively to the voice and the influence of the Spirit of God. And we're going to live it out through our, our deeds, our hands. We're going to uh, do what we can uh, to align our conduct with the inclinations of the Spirit. But I would say this, uh, Paul saved the best for last. Because this life of the Spirit uh, really is sustained in our hearts. It begins in our heads as we set our minds it continues day to day as we put our hands to the task of, of living in accordance with his will and his leading. But uh, Paul says, look, if this is going to be lifestyle for you, if you're going to thrive 
in the death zone, if you're going to be uh, at your best, well, it's going to come out of your heart. And here's what Paul says. Uh, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you should live in fear again. That's not what the Spirit of God produces, is the sense that life is an arduous burden trying to fulfill God's wishes. That's not what the Spirit of God does. Rather, Paul says, the Spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And so uh, there's a much different message there, that you're now a child of God. You're now dearly loved. And and so uh, Paul uses words that may be unusual to us, but uh, would have struck a chord with his listeners. He says, and by that spirit of, of adoption that has made us children, we cry, Abba, Father, which is the most intimate expression of belonging uh, Paul could think of. Papa, Daddy, uh, this spirit within us cries that God is my Father. It's kind of the spirit of Abram who realized that God is my shield and my great reward, and he has purposes for me I could never have imagined. Uh, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, and if we are children, then we have a great future. We are heirs. We are heirs of God, and we are co-heirs with Christ. We belong. Uh, Jesus uh, is not ashamed to call us his brethren, uh, the word says, if indeed We share in his sufferings. We do the hard work. We obey the will of the Spirit in order that we may also share in his glory. Uh, You know, as I was thinking about this, the spirit within us that uh, awakens that God is our Father, that we are his children, that we are dearly loved, and we have a great future and a hope because of that love that he has for us. Uh, If you know my story, many of you know that uh, I didn't grow up in a home with faith, in fact, uh, quite the opposite. And uh, I was reflecting on on this text and uh, thinking back to when I was uh, six years old and my father had died a tragic death. And I remember uh, this time of year, winter time, Christmas season, uh, out walking uh, the streets of our upstate New York uh, neighborhoods. And uh, my older brother and I, uh, with other friends, singing Christmas carols. And uh, literally, we had no idea the message we were proclaiming as we sang. Uh, it came upon a midnight clear in old little town of Bethlehem. And I fast forward uh, 15 years later, uh, when at the age of 21, I became a follower of Christ. Similar time of year, uh, walking the streets with my young adult friends, singing songs like old little town of Bethlehem, and realizing Uh, that I was a child of God, and that God was uh, working in my life, even in those dark times when I was uh, a small child, uh, fatherless, uh, trying to cope with the harsh realities. And it's that Spirit of God that awakens uh, that realization that because of our association with Jesus, we have now become uh, God's children. Um, You know, I was... um, I was thinking uh, this time of year, uh, so much uh, of the core of the Christmas message revolves around this theme, God with us. In fact, uh, Emmanuel uh, literally means God with 
us. And I, I love the way uh, John's gospel uh, introduces the good news. Uh, it says that the word of God became flesh and lived among us. And, and that really is the clearest uh, message of Christmas you will ever hear. That is the essence of Christmas. The word of God became flesh and dwelled among us. And it's uh, the gift of his Holy Spirit that allows that uh, to become real in our lives as we set our minds on the things that the Spirit desires. We experience the presence of Jesus as we put to death the misdeeds uh, of the body, of our flesh, of our urges and inclinations. We experience the presence of Jesus bearing the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness in our lives. And uh, as we open up uh, to the influence of the Spirit of God deep in our hearts, uh, he, he awakens in us the sense that we are dearly loved children of God. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we want to thank you uh, for the wonderful season that we're in where we rehearse uh, the truth that we know about you, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And we know, Lord, that uh, part of this gift is that uh, when we open up to you, Jesus said, I won't leave you alone as orphans, but I'll come and be with you through my spirit. And, and we would just pray right now, God, as we're navigating life, uh, some of us uh, maybe feel like we're in the death zone. You know, things have gotten hard. Circumstances are difficult. Lord, would you bring us back to this truth that uh, the light shines in the darkness and that your presence comes to dwell with us. Uh, I love the, the message of the manger. Doesn't matter how humble, doesn't matter how uh, lacking in the beauty and perfection. If there's a place for you, Lord, you come in your glory, uh, makes, its, makes its way into that place. You become flesh once again and live within us. And Lord, may we have that kind of availability, that kind of openness in our hearts to your spirit. But Lord, if there's anything in our minds uh, that, that is uh, distant from you, that is reticent to open up to your influence, that feels as though somehow we're going to miss out on life if we yield to your leadership. Lord, would you banish that? Uh, would your love uh, displace that attitude in our hearts and that resistance in our minds? And Lord, we would realize uh, no one loves us as you do. No one has a, a greater purpose and plan for our lives than you. And why would we not uh, yield uh, to your loving, guiding influence. And uh, maybe you're hearing these words today and you realize you've never made uh, your heart Christ's home, but you know you want that. Uh, I want to lead you in a prayer. You can uh, just agree with me uh, in your heart or pray it out loud. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for the, the gift of Christmas. Uh, thank you for what I've heard that the word of God became flesh and lived among us. And Lord, I want you to live among in my life. I want you to live in my heart. And so in simple faith, I ask you to come. Uh, Lord, my life feels like a manger at times. But thank you for the, the testimony uh, that you really don't care about the circumstance. Uh, really what you care about is the openness and the availability. And so Lord, come into my life. Uh, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. 
Thank you for not counting my transgressions against me. Uh, teach me now uh, how to live in that tension of being a new creation in you, uh, but still having uh, a lot of work to do. Uh, send your Holy Spirit and allow me to begin to live life responsively to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.